changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Well, good evening and welcome once again to What's the Word? I'm Randy Johnson, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. I hope that you are having a good year, the year 2020. I hope that things are going well for you and that you are sticking to certain plans and resolutions that you've made or maybe some new habits that you've developed or old habits that you've dropped. I hope that uh, 2020 is going well for you so far. If it is not, then understand that we are only a month and a half into this new year, and hopefully winter will be over soon, and spring will be here, and maybe new hopes will spring into your life at that point. But however your life is going and however your year is going so far, Whenever our faith and trust is in God, there is always hope for today and tomorrow and forever. And I thank the Lord for that every single day, uh, because certainly there are things in, in my life that happen from time to time or things that I notice, things that are going on in other people's lives. And I just have to not only remind myself, but I find myself sharing with others and reminding them that we honestly take everything one day at a time, trust the Lord in every single moment, every single day, and just know that God is in control. And certainly, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you need to remember Romans eight twenty eight, that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what a blessing it is to know that God has a plan for you, for me, and certainly for our community as we kind of join together uh, as you're listening tonight and we are as a community, you know, I see so many good things happening. I see so much uh, positivity around our community and I just am thankful for that. Thankful for each church in our community and uh, especially the, the ones that are faithful to stand on God's word. I'm thankful for those churches that are faithful to love each other, minister to each other, but also take the hope of good news out into the rest of the world. And so that being said, I'm excited to have this evening to spend the next uh, little less than an hour now with you. And I hope that you are settled in and will enjoy uh, the hour of this show. If for any reason you miss some of it, you can always catch it tomorrow morning on my podcast, which I uh, put on the, the web. It is The podcast is called Walk This Way, and you can find that at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway or Google, Spotify, iTunes, all those good places that podcasts are. Hopefully you will find Walk This Way. If it's not, then just contact them and ask them to put it on. And then that way you can have all of the episodes. There's 50 plus, 60 plus. I've lost count of how many episodes I've done of this show, but hopefully you will find it. Well, let's get into some content for tonight. Some good topics, hopefully, of discussion. Some things that I hope will be of interest to you. And tonight, you know, as I kind of scour the internet sometimes and looking for different things that I want to share with you, one of the things I want to share tonight is really about the sermon series that I've been preaching on Sunday mornings here at Columbia Baptist Church. And we meet at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, by the way, if you need a church home and want to come and join us one Sunday morning, we would absolutely love to have you. But on Sunday mornings, I've been preaching through kind of highlighting some of the examples of help that God has provided to his people in the book of Judges. And this was a period of time after God's people had gotten out of Egypt and had been in what was called the promised land for a little bit of time, had been driving out some 
nations and people groups that had been there that were not worshiping God, that were wicked, sinful, false idol worshipers. And God said, listen, just drive them out, make them go someplace else. This land I gave to Abraham generations before it's yours, you know, it's rightfully yours. I'm going to help you to get these people out so that you can have the land. In the book of Judges, not it, what, it, what it, it shares is not all of the tribes of Israel drove out those people and they let some of them stay. And so they kind of, uh, you know, partnered together peacefully, they thought, to live in the land and it didn't work out well. What ended up happening is exactly what God said was going to happen and that is their the other nations that were worshiping false idols had more of an influence on God's people than they had on them. So the book of Judges then is about how God helped his people to overcome false idol worship, how to get back on track spiritually, and how to focus. And so the title of the series is Help, I Have Issues, and how God offers the help to us when we have those, those issues, those problems. And what I have found is how remarkably similar God's people are today as they were then. And even beyond that, how similar of problems that people have and experience today, whether they know God or not, whether they have a relationship with Christ or not, some of the things that we allow into our life to cause problems are really nearly identical. Now listen, obviously the internet didn't exist. Obviously a lot of entertainment options didn't exist back then. Access to different sinful decisions were not available. So we have gotten cr uh, quite crafty, you know, these 3,000 plus years later in how we figure out how to sin. However, the root problem is the same. The issue is the same. And so I just notice when I look at, at the internet, I look at different stories, I look at different interactions, I look at different people, it just absolutely amazes me how similar people sin today as they did back then. I give, I give you an example of one. I saw a story the other day about Ben Affleck. Now, Ben Affleck is an actor. He was married to Jennifer Garner, who is also an actor. And they got divorced in June of 2015. So this is old news, right? It's almost five years ago that they got divorced. However, the story came out just the other day in People Magazine that Ben Affleck finally uh, decided to share this news that one of the major reasons why they got divorced, Ben Affleck says, is because of his excessive drinking. Uh, this man is 47 years old, and he said that at some point in their marriage, he started drinking more and more, and all of this was happening, he says, while their marriage was falling apart. And he said that his drinking caused marital problems, it caused uh, issues, this is not anything new. Um, you know, he had been struggling with this for some time. But with three daughters, uh, ages 14, 11, and 7, is the number of children he had with uh, Jennifer Garner. Here's a guy that seemed like he was on top of the world. You know, he's a major movie star, had made a lot of movies up to that point, still had a bright career ahead early 40s, you know, uh, when they got married, actually was in his late 30s when they got married. But here, you know, is a guy who married to a beautiful young lady. They're having children. Why would a guy need to go into rehab several times before this last time that he went in in August of 2018? Why would he have such a, an issue with 
alcoholism. Well, he has said, and I'm quoting him, he said, relapse is embarrassing, obviously. I wish it didn't happen. I really wish it wasn't on the internet for my kids to see. Jennifer and I did our best to address it and to be honest. And so he's talking about his issue with alcoholism. He went on to say, it took me a long time to fundamentally, deeply, without a hint of doubt, admit to myself that I am an alcoholic. And he says, the next drink will not be different. You know, so many times we lie to ourselves. We fool ourselves into thinking that this is not a problem for me. I can handle this. This is not an issue. This might be an issue for somebody else, but it's not an issue for me. And in the stark reality of life, it is an issue. Whatever it is for you, it is an issue. If it has a hold of you and you can't put it down and walk away, then you are addicted to it. If there is something, and I mean something meaning anything in your life, that you struggle with walking away from, then whatever that thing is, then you are an addict to it. You are addicted to it. You are, uh, it, it has a hold in your life of, in, in, in a way that you can't put it down and walk away. And this is what Ben Affleck said. It took him years to admit that he had this issue. It took him years to admit that he was finally an alcoholic after going into rehab for four times and relapsing every single time to finally be able to be honest and say, I struggle with this. There are so many families that are broken and falling apart. So many people's lives that are broken and falling apart because, number one, we fail to be honest with God. Second of all, we fail to be honest with ourselves. And then we just don't simply, so many times, don't seek out the help that we need to walk away from something that has latched onto our life. And so when, you know, when I hear this news about somebody like Ben Affleck, it doesn't matter that he's an actor. It doesn't matter that this guy is famous. It doesn't matter that his face and his wife's or ex-wife's face and his kids' names and faces are all over the Internet. It doesn't matter if he walked into any room that many people would know exactly who he is because they've seen him in movies and think that they know him and think that they know about his life. It makes no difference that Ben Affleck is, is, a, is a celebrity. This story, the name could have been taken out of Ben Affleck. It could have been ripped out of this particular story and thousands upon thousands and thousands of other people's names and lives could have been inserted and the story would have been the same. I read the book of Judges and I see how people struggle with idolatry. We think of idolatry as bowing down to some idol, some wooden or stone idol that we light candles to and, and, and put flowers around and, and you know bow down on our face. Listen, if you were to be honest and ask Ben Affleck, did you worship alcohol? Was it an idol to you? He probably, if he was honest, would say, well, I didn't think about it quite like that, but you know, I gave it a lot of time. I gave alcohol a lot of attention. I allowed alcohol to control my body and to control my mind. And there were times that I was outside of my mind and did things outside of my control because I allowed alcohol into my system. I would say to Ben Affleck, that is an idol. We need help from God overcoming the things that overcome us. We need God's intervention to overcome whether it is a pornography issue, whether it is a relationship that we shouldn't have, whether it is a, uh, a financial issue, whether it's a drug and alcohol issue, whether it is an anger issue, whatever it is that we excuse and make excuses for in our life and treat like it's no big deal, those are the things in our life that we need God's intervention on. And I'm thankful, you know, that, that Ben Affleck has finally admitted this, 
But I would love to see stories like this all over the internet. Listen, I know in our own county that there are support groups that meet on a very regular basis. And I would, I, I believe that there are support groups that meet every night in our community, if not almost every night in our community of alcohol, drug, some kind of rehab, some kind of support group, whether it's Celebrate Recovery or AA or NA or, or, or the different uh, groups that meet. We have those that meet all over our community virtually every night of the week. Why? Because people are tired of being addicted to something. They're tired of being controlled by something, and they want their life back. And so many of these people, like in Celebrate Recovery, they're turning from their addiction, but they're turning to God. They're turning to Jesus Christ and saying, I need your help. And again, this is just so similar to the issues in the book of Judges. So let me just challenge you tonight and ask you, is there something that has a hold of your life, some attitude, some action, some behavior, some addiction? Is there something that has so gripped your life, your heart, that you hold on to it so tightly that really it has wormed its way into your life and you're afraid or unsure how to let go of it? If it is, if there is something, then you need to turn to God, release that to him, and ask the Lord for his deliverance that only comes through Jesus Christ. There are plenty of people in our community that are walking the same path that you are, and they know exactly what it feels like to feel helpless. But those that have found freedom, those that have found release from those addictions, those that have let go those bad habits, those bad behaviors, those thoughts, those whatever, those that have walked away from that can encourage you. They know how to pray for you and they know how to, to help. And so don't ever be afraid to be honest with God, to be honest with yourself, and to truthfully name something that has a hold of your life. Speaking of this type of, of issue, I also read a story of another famous person who has been famous for good reasons as well as bad reasons. So I read this story the other day about Justin Bieber. Now, to say the name Justin Bieber, some of you think musician. Uh, you might think crazy behavior. Because, I mean, Justin Bieber at, at a very young age became a kind of a national, international phenomenon. You know, he another one of the young, uh, back in the day we used to call them teeny boppers, but one of the you know, young heartthrobs, young singers, appealed to a lot of middle middle school, high school girls. You know, my daughter was, was big into Justin Bieber when he first hit the scene. And, you know, so he, he's the kind of guy that at a very young age just had a lot of fame, had a lot of fortune, had a lot of notoriety, had a lot of recognition, all of that stuff. But Justin Bieber a couple of years ago sort of crashed and was having a, I believe it was a world tour, I think he was down in Australia, and met with an Australian pastor from, I believe it was Hillsong in Australia, and really just, he canceled the tour, he just kind of had a, like I said, just... Uh, lack of a better word, he just had an, an emotional, spiritual crash. Well, in the couple of years, maybe a year and a half or so since all of that took place, Justin Bieber has answered why he had this meltdown of sorts and what came from it. And I found the most interesting interview that he did. He sat down with Apple Music with a reporter and talked about some of the self-destructive behaviors that he had before 
he started following Christ. And before he married Haley Baldwin. Now, now here is a kid who, in the last year or so, has really made a strong stand for Christ. But in the days before he became a, a follower of Jesus, was really uh, living quite a... Um, quite a a challenging lifestyle, uh, you know, causing problems, issues for himself, for others, you know, certainly not the worst person on the planet, but by his own definition would say that, you know, he had, he had some, some strong issues, but Justin Bieber came out and he had this interview, uh, with, uh, Apple music and listen to what he said. He said, quote, I really took a deep dive in my faith. He said, I believed in Jesus, but I never really, like when it says following Jesus is actually turning away from sin, he says, and and so there's no faith without obedience. Here is a guy, end quote, by the way, here is a guy who says, I had an awareness of Jesus I knew about Jesus, but I was not obedient to follow Jesus. Here is a guy who is honest and says, I thought that I knew enough to be safe, but I took a dive in my faith and really plunged beneath the surface and found out that without obedience to Christ and really following him, there's no such thing as faith. I mean, this kid is 25 years old. People all over the world know him. He said that he believed that Jesus died on the cross for him. He said, but, quote, he never really implemented it, unquote, in his life. Meaning that he had an awareness of it. It was in his head. But he never staked his eternal life and his destiny on it. Uh, This is a tremendous, tremendous testimony of a kid who at a very young age with a very promising career and had a lot of years ahead of him in a probably a very sinful lifestyle of making lots of money, doing whatever he wanted to do, making lots of music, whatever ahead of him, turn from all of that to turn to Jesus. In fact, he describes the moment that he turned away from drinking, drugs, sleeping around. He said, and and I quote, he said, quote, I think it was my perception of who Jesus really was. He said, I'd had really bad examples of Christians in my life who would say one thing and do another. So they were my direct example of who Jesus was. And he honestly, didn't have a clear picture of what a Christian should be, didn't have a clear picture of who Jesus was. But he went on to say this, quote, the way I look at God and my relationship with Jesus is I'm not trying to earn God's love by doing good things. He said, quote, God has already loved me for who I am before I did anything to earn it or deserve it. It's a free gift by accepting Jesus, giving your life to him, and what he did is the gift. He said, quote, the forgiveness is the thing that we look at and we go, you know, I'm going to worship you, God, because you gave me something so good. Now, that may not be the... uh, clearest explanation of the gospel of Jesus, but it's pretty close. Here is a kid who is saying, listen, there is nothing that I can do to earn the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. The gift of Jesus Christ is the gift of eternal life. I have accepted that. I have received that gift. I have turned my life over to Jesus, and now I'm a follower of Christ. You talk about a tremendous life change in someone who needed a life change. 
You talk about a tremendous life story and a life change of someone who was headed down every wrong path known to man. And he said, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I don't want this. I need Jesus. I want to turn my life over to him. And from this moment on, I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. I tell you, this kid and his influence, I liken it a lot to Kanye West. Because several months ago when Kanye gave his life to Christ and began to publicly share about his relationship with Jesus, there were a lot of people that said, eh, we'll wait and see. Kanye has done nothing except make music pointing people to Jesus, led worship services pointing people to Jesus, given testimonies pointing people to Jesus. Now listen, I hope that the guy... Kanye, I hope that he is as straight and uh, narrow as an arrow. I mean, I hope that his testimony is as true and fruitful as any person on the planet. And listen, I pray the same thing for Justin Bieber. Here is a kid who essentially had everything that every lost person who doesn't know Jesus would ever want. He had fame. He had notoriety. He had everything thrown at his feet. He could do anything he wanted. He could say anything he wanted. He could go anywhere he wanted. And he said, and he said, I want Jesus. I really admire his determination and the struggle to turn his back away or turn his back to sin and turn his face to Jesus. And I love that he said this. He said, Jesus wasn't this religious elite guy. But he was in the dirt, and he found me in the dirt and pulled me out. What a great picture and and, and a great analogy of who Jesus is. Jesus is someone who gets down on the level of sinners, but he is also one who is the only one who is able to pull us up out of the situation that he finds us in. There is no religion There is no religious leader. There is no change of mind, change of behavior, change of attitude in any religious structure in the world that could pull you out of a life of sin and pull you into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, all by placing your faith and your trust in the Son of God. I love the fact that Justin Bieber is sharing this testimony and sharing you know, what his experience has been with Christ. And he goes on to say, this will be the last quote because I I don't want to belabor this, but he says, I never want to be someone that's trying to persuade anyone to believe in what I believe in. He said, I think God persuades people. But I definitely want to tell my story so that if that resonates with anybody, they can hopefully learn from it. I do think, uh, end quote, I do think that there is a level of, if you want to call it persuasion, that sounds manipulative, but there is a level of proclamation that every Christian is called to do for the sake of giving the message of Christ out into the world. However, I believe and, and agree with what Justin Bieber is saying, that it's not our job to convince somebody to be a Christian. And certainly somebody like Kanye, somebody like Justin Bieber, could make people follow Jesus, supposedly follow Jesus, when they're really just following these superstar icons. And I think with his faith in Christ, what he's wanting to avoid is wanting to make followers of Justin Bieber who is a follower of Jesus. But rather, he just wants to tell his story of how he became a follower of Christ, hoping that God would use that to make a difference in somebody's life. I really admire this kid's character and and the change that has happened in his life. I can't wait to see what happens because of his testimony in Christ. Just like I pray for Kanye West, I pray that Justin Bieber has a tremendously fruitful Christian walk full of evidence of a changed life and God would use him 
in tremendous ways. You know, sort of like what happens with any quote-unquote famous Christian. You fade into the background of popular America. Let's just be honest. Christian actors, Christian uh, entertainers are not going to be in blockbuster R-rated, you know, $7 billion movies the way that those that are willing to cuss, those that are willing to get naked on screen, those that are willing to, you know, be in, in movies that are going to make a lot of money but certainly don't point people to Jesus, those Christian actors and entertainers are going to fade out of popular mainstream because they're no longer mainstream. They are living a life that is given over to Jesus that's not popular with much of America. I don't know how, how long the spotlight will be for Kanye West. Now, he is married to Kim Kardashian, and for whatever reason, I do not know, the Kardashians are famous. They have a reality show. Maybe that will buy Kanye some time in the American spotlight as a Christian. I don't know how long people are going to be interested in the story of Justin Bieber, frankly. I, I mean, if he goes on interviews saying what he's saying in this Apple Music interview, people are going to stop interviewing him. Because mainstream America doesn't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about a guy who turned down millions of dollars on a world tour to become a follower of Jesus and get his life right. You know, he's not going to go on Ellen's show, uh, Ellen DeGeneres' show, and sit there and talk about the life change that he found in Jesus. So I don't know how long the spotlight is going to be on guys like that. But I am so thankful that they have these interviews. I'm so thankful they're on the internet. I'm so thankful that they are making a difference for the cause of Christ. And I pray that God does great things in their testimonies. A couple of weeks ago, I shared in my on my radio show, so to kind of change gears here a little bit, but not really. I mean, changing gears in the sense of, you know, two guys that are experiencing life change, maybe, you know, obviously at different levels, because I don't know that Ben Affleck is a believer in Christ. Certainly reading the testimony of Justin Bieber, I believe that he is. But two guys that have made some significant life change. I turned a couple of weeks ago to a story that was all over the internet because a few weeks ago, Kobe Bryant, along with nine other, I believe it was nine other people, died in a helicopter crash along with his daughter in Los Angeles. And the internet world was abuzz over that. Certainly the professional basketball world was and still is. The entertainment world is still giving tributes to Kobe Bryant. Even this past weekend at the All-Star NBA All-Star Game, they had another tribute to Kobe Bryant, and, and rightfully so. He was a great player, loved by many, respected by you know virtually everybody in the, in the NBA and basketball world as one of the greatest players of all time. Very well-rounded uh, man and when he played, came straight out of high school, had a long career. People are, you know, rightfully putting him on a, a, a pedestal and remembering him. But unfortunately, over the weekend, I read another story of two young ladies and, and their daughters that died here. You know, they're from Louisville, and they died on the way to a tournament for their two 12 year for the two ladies they each had a 12 year old daughter that played volleyball and on friday morning of, of this past week they were in missouri both of these ladies were 44 years old um, as they were in the car with their two 12 year old daughters the story says that a, a, their minivan was struck by a pickup truck the pickup truck had veered into oncoming traffic. Uh, 
just outside of Lake City, Missouri, uh, Lake St. Louis, Missouri, and collided with their car and another vehicle. And nobody else died in the crash. So the other vehicle had two people in it that the pickup truck hit. The driver of the pickup truck was uh, injured, but not life-threatening. But how sad that these two young ladies, I say they're young, they're my age, or around my age, but in their mid-40s with two 12-year-old daughters. And how sad, absolutely sad, that their lives come to an end. I'm sure it was a complete accident. Um, I, I haven't read anything in any of the stories that there was any any reason why the truck pickup truck uh, driver veered into their lane. If there was any kind of um, you know uh, drug use or alcohol abuse or anything, I, I haven't read anything like that. No reason to, to think that there was. It's just an accident. And one of the ladies was a uh, a player for the University of Louisville Cardinal volleyball team from 98 to 2001, three conference championships, four NCAA appearances. Uh, their daughters, obviously, you know, hoping to, to do well playing tournament volleyball. Obviously, they were both very good. It's just sad. You know, it's sad to read stories like the one about Kobe Bryant and the nine other people, including his daughter, that died. It's sad to read stories like this, to think of young lives, not only the, the moms, but especially the daughters. So much life ahead, the scary moments that, that the pickup truck was coming toward them, and you just visualize what they might have been thinking or, you know, those, those initial moments of just panic and fear. But then families bury their loved ones and have a lifetime of pain. And what's what's the hope? What what's the what is the outcome? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it is it what could have been? Is it a life full of regret? Is you know what is it that the families feel whenever something like this happens? You know, I, I tell you, the, the, the one overarching emotion that I'm having with these kinds of stories, and I say these kinds, I, I don't mean this one in the Kobe Bryant story. I, I mean the story that I just shared with you about the death in, of the two volleyball uh, young girls and, and the two middle-aged ladies, their moms, Along with the Justin Bieber story and the Ben Affleck story, I, I tell you where I struggle and what I'm thinking. I just can't help but remind every single person how precious and short life is. I mean, you think about Ben Affleck for a moment. How many breaths and heartbeats and moments did Ben Affleck substitute alcohol for time with his family? How many moments did Ben Affleck choose to be drunk and out of his mind and be an alcoholic and spend money on alcohol and spend time drinking alcohol to the point that maybe he became a whole different person that he didn't like versus spending that time, that money, that energy, those moments doing something good for someone? Think about Justin Bieber as a teenager, making music, touring the world, having millions, if not billions, of adoring fans, making more money than he knows what to do with, having drugs and alcohol and, and premarital sex thrown at him as a older teenager, young 20s, world in the palm of his hand. And all of the time spent wasted giving over to those kinds of things. 
And then you hear this story of these two young 12-year-old ladies, these two 12-year-old girls and their 44-year-old, these two moms that are both 44, all four of them dying in the same car accident. And and you just realize one very precious thing. And that is how short life is. 44 years old, way too young. 12 years old way too young anytime life is gone we oftentimes thinks think oh well they went too soon but friend i guess what i'm thinking and what i want to leave with you in this show and and, and the impression that i want to share is just how precious life really is I, I find that that's been a theme of mine over these last several weeks this year that I just, I can't help, you know, I reflected back on the sanctity of human life and how that particular Sunday back in January reminded us of the importance of protecting life inside the womb. I mean, we talk about life being too short. When someone performs an abortion or someone has an abortion, what you're essentially saying is not only is this life too short, I'm not even going to give it a chance. I'm going to take away their first and every single breath that they could have taken on this planet by taking that life inside the womb. Life is tragically too short. But while it may seem too short... God is certainly faithful to give us opportunities in the life that we have to not only surrender our life to Jesus and have eternal life, but also to use those moments to bring glory and honor to him and to do good for others and to serve others and to worship Jesus and to put him first in our life, to have those moments where Our life and our story might make a difference in the life of somebody else. I mean, God is so faithful to give us those moments and those opportunities. And the question then comes down to, are we using those moments for the glory of God? Are we taking advantage of those times, those resources, those moments that God gives to us? Are we using those breaths that we take and those moments of uh, uh, that we have in those conversations at work or those times when a friend needs us at school or those you know times whenever we see that somebody is, is in need of something that we can do to make a difference for them. Are we doing it? These families that are burying these four young lives the two separate families, you know, you have, you have two families that are grieving in the same way because they lost such young, precious lives so early on. I mean, 44 is middle-aged. Here you have these two young ladies that I have no doubt had plenty of life and plenty of dreams and plenty of plans, plenty of, of plans ahead of them. And certainly these two 12-year-old girls. I mean, just barely being in middle school. They probably had no idea what they wanted to do with the rest of their life or what they wanted to be. Or maybe they wanted to be professional volleyball players or Olympic volleyball players. You know, you just think about the years ahead. But listen, if you're listening to this show and you are aware of the life that God has given to you and you know that it's precious, then you still have time. You still have time and you still have opportunity to make much of Jesus, to live your life for the glory of God, to do something for the benefit of others, to serve them, to point people to Jesus. Because even if your life is tragically shorter than it should be or could be, God still gives us time. And I just I have to share this one other story because I came across this one the other day.
found when I read the story was it involves somebody who is famous, I think, uh, not somebody who was ever on my radar, um, but someone who was known on television hosting a show, a British television show called Love Island. At least I believe it is a British TV show. I don't think it's an American TV show. Never heard of Love Island, but it is on ITV. And the host of the show is was named Caroline Flack. And Caroline was a 40-year-old TV host. Um, uh, you know, apparently this... Uh, it is a British reality TV show. It had been on, uh, you know, in, uh, several years ago, but that's kind of was her claim to fame. 84 uh, episodes of this reality TV show. And this particular show that she hosted had kind of propelled her into the spotlight. And... Caroline had hosted some other TV shows, had been on some other, you know, television opportunities and was and was starting to make a name for herself as a host. But unfortunately, she took her own life last week. Apparently back in December, she was arrested for assaulting her boyfriend. And some kind of a domestic, uh, you know, dispute. Some she called it an emotional breakdown that she had been going through for a while. Uh, she said that it was not not her, not her character, her nature to do that. But yet that's what she was accused of, and and was apparently set to go to trial in March, and she was going to go to trial saying she was not guilty and maybe for, you know, the reasons of this emotional breakdown and maybe she had some evidence that she was going through a difficult time, just really not, you know, not sure exactly what was going on. But the assault happened December the 12th, 2019. So just uh, two months ago. And she felt as though her life was collapsing, which is what led her to this outbreak, this emotional outrage and, and, and assault on her boyfriend. And now she's going to court. Now she was out of a job. She just felt like everything was spiraling out of control. And so, because she had lost her job, she had lost her home, she had lost the ability to have a career in entertainment she decided to take her own life. Her last post on any kind of social media platform, I believe, uh, was on Instagram. And she, you know, posted some pictures of, you know, uh, a relatively happy life, but saying that her heart was broken, that, you know, some challenging things had been thrown her way and she just didn't know that she could handle it anymore. And so her family found her having taken her own life. Um, def definitely sad, shocking news that, that hit ITV and the folks that had produced and had been a part of Love Island. But even though she wrote an emotional, emotion-filled last message on Instagram and posted some pictures and spoke about heartbreak, rather than seeking out help, and maybe she already had, but it seemed as though this was kind of a goodbye letter, she felt as though her life was too shattered to have been put back together. And, and I have a couple of thoughts about this. Uh, you know, obviously, at, at 40 years old, there's a lot of life ahead. And I know in the entertainment industry, by the time you're 40, there is some passing over, I think, for some younger people in entertainment, younger faces, younger voices, maybe 
somebody a little bit more in touch than you appear to be. But, you know, at the same time, at 40 years of age, even as a host in the entertainment industry, I mean, you can look on television. There are many examples of people well past 40 that are still very vibrant, still very active, still hosting, still names, faces on television, movie screens, all of that. Definitely, it's not a sign of, you know, your, your, your time is over. But perhaps something in this lawsuit, something that was going on in this moment of the trial looming in less than a month, this accusation, maybe she had no confidence that she was going to win and felt as though she was just not going to be able to live her life the way that she wanted to because of this conviction. And so when she took her own life and left this note, there were signs all over that she was screaming for, for help, for purpose, for direction. I don't know this young lady, never heard of her before I read this story. But as I said at the top of the hour, this is exactly why I'm preaching through the book of Judges on Sunday morning. People might say, hey, listen, Pastor, those stories happen. Those people lived 3,000 years ago. You know, God dealt with them the way he dealt with them. Life is so different now. People are so different. The world we live in is not the same world that they lived in, you know, over 3,000 years ago. But God is still God. And problems still exist. We may put a different name, a different face, a different label uh, uh, as far as an issue goes on our problems. But God has not changed. And the help that God offers to us, when it seems like our life is shattered, when it seems like our life is over, when it seems as though there's no other answer, God is always there to deliver. He is always there to help. God is always an answer to any problem that we have. The book of Judges is so clear with that. I mean, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be preaching the life of Samson in a few messages. And, and listen, you may not know anything about Samson other than that he was strong, had long hair, and he fell in love with a girl named Delilah. But I'm going to tell you the stuff that Samson dealt with is alive and well in the year 2020. Right here in Adair County, the stuff that Samson dealt with, the stuff that Gideon dealt with that I'm preaching on right now, the stuff that that Israel was dealing with over 3,000 years ago is alive and well in the United States of America in 2020. And the good news is God is still God. He is still offering help. He is still offering deliverance. His word is still true. His Holy Spirit is still moving. The cross of Jesus is still the only hope that we have for eternal life. And I would say, had I had an opportunity to talk to this young lady at the age of 40, I would have said to her, listen, your life is nowhere near over. Again, her name was Caroline Flack. She was the host of a popular British reality TV show called Love Island. But this was, you know, that show aired... 13, 14 years ago when she was in her late 20s. And now, at, you know, at the age of 40, actually, that, that's not true. The show had been going on. She, the, the show started when she was in her early 20s, but she was the current host of that show and had stepped down two months ago when this allegation and and pending trial of the assault of her boyfriend happened. She stepped down two months ago. And then, you know, when this event happened and now was a month away from a trial to where she may have felt like she was going to be pronounced guilty and would not be able to host the show anymore and would, you know, no longer be able to function in the entertainment world. Listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you if certain chapters of your life close, because of some problem in your life, whether you caused the problem or life just happened and that problem found you. God knows how to write the next chapter of your life. 
I've had I've had moments in my life where certain chapters have ended, you know, certain things have happened or certain uh, decisions made, and there have been moments when new chapters have started, and. When that one chapter ends and another chapter begins, God is still there. And the chapter of my life that I'm in right now, the season of life that I'm in, if it changes, and if it, if it comes to an end and, and God says, okay, it's time for something different, it's time for, for something new, it's time to adjust this, it's time to move on to something, guess what? God is still God. He is still there working and still wants to make something of my life, even if it is different from what I had planned and what I had written. And listen, I don't know Caroline. Never heard of her before I read this story. But if I knew her and I knew that she wanted to take her life because she didn't think that her life was worth living and she thought that her life was going to come to a tragic end, as far as her career, entertainment, relationship, whatever, I would have looked her in the face and I would have said, Caroline, God still has another chapter to write. And when that chapter ended, I would say, Caroline, God still has another chapter to write. Listen, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I don't know what season of life you're in and I don't know how difficult things are for you, but God is still the author of your life. You give him control. You turn the paper and pen over to God and say, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, however it is you want me to live, whatever it is that you want me to accomplish, this is your story that you get to write in my life. And when certain chapters of my life come to an end, I'm going to trust you that there's more to come. Listen, I just said moments ago, life is so precious. And it's short enough as it is, even if we live to what we consider to be an old age and die in an old age, it is still so relatively short. When you think of the thousands of years that that God has been at work in, in people's lives, to think that God could be at work in your life for 80, 90 years is, is a blink in time. So at 40 years old, this lady thought, hey, my life is not worth living anymore. Think of the decades to come that God could have done great things in her life. Now, that's why, again, and and I'm so thankful for people like Kanye West and for Justin Bieber giving their lives to Jesus at a relatively young age, especially Justin Bieber being in in his 20s. This kid has decades, I pray, of life to live for the cause of Christ and to advance God's kingdom and to be an influence for Jesus. And I hope that God makes much of his life. But you see, that's the kind of change that God can make. Justin Bieber could have come to the exact same crisis that this young lady Caroline came to. Justin Bieber could have said, listen, I've made a mess of my life and it's not worth living. I'm going to end it now before I wreck it anymore. And he could have taken his life. Instead, he took his life and gave it to Jesus. Instead of taking his life from this earth, he handed over the paper and pen of his life and said, God, I'm going to trust you to write every single chapter that's left in my life. And I wish that Caroline had done the same thing. I'm thankful that Kanye West did that. I'm thankful that that decades ago that I handed over my life to Jesus Christ. And if I was faced with that same decision today, I would make the exact same decision today. I would not look God in in, in the face, look Christ in the face and say, I can handle it from here. I would gladly, and I do gladly every day, affirm my faith and trust in Jesus. And friend, I hope that you do the same thing. I hope that every single day when you wake up, You offer your life, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus, yielding up your life as an act of worship to him. Because Jesus laid down his life for you, then you hand over your life to him and watch what he does. I'm thankful that you joined me tonight. If you missed any of this show, Every single second of this one-hour show will be on my podcast tomorrow. The podcast is called Walk This Way. 
You can find it at the website anchor.fm backslash walk this way. Special thanks to 101.9 WAIN for putting me in this one hour slot. And thank you for joining me. And I hope that you have a great rest of the week. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.